I think my story is just, in terms of motherhood, is just I never really wanted to be a mother. Um, I never cared for kids. I never wanted children. Um, now that I have a kid, I do know now that I, I think I would have been perfectly fine without having a child. Um, but I fell into the pressure of everyone telling me that I should or um, that I'm going to change my mind and that um, life's so much better with kids. You know, like, I, so I, like, I think I convinced myself to think that the way I'm thinking was wrong. Wrong. And so I think um, it really is just good to just talk to a professional in terms of just, like, how to cope with it. This is Motherhood Sessions. I'm Dr. Alexandra Sachs. Today I'm talking with the woman we're calling Anne. She's 34 and has a lifelong pattern of struggling to figure out who she is and what she really wants. When we sat down to talk, she seemed confused about a lot of things. But the one thing I could tell that she felt crystal clear about was her husband. They have a great relationship, and all along, she knew that he wanted kids. So she followed his lead, they got pregnant, and she hoped that her feelings would change. Now, as a mother of a one-year-old, she feels trapped and regretful and can't see a way out. Anne loves her daughter, but she still doesn't like her day-to-day life as a mother. Any sort of, like, life with kids and I think I guess when I think back on like growing up it looked difficult to me I didn't see like any real excitement and joy to be a parent um you know I had a good childhood I grew up happy and loved and so to be a to be a kid it was great but like for me to see the role of a parent yeah was very um overwhelming and just like it felt very like sacrificial and, like, suffering. Think about your mom or? Yeah, I think about my mom and just my aunts. In what way did you see them suffering? Because I saw that they were prioritizing everyone else besides them. So Mm -hmm. they're the ones waking up in the morning and cleaning the house and cooking and um, spending the money that they have on their children for their husbands, like, you know, people around them and not, not really taking care of themselves. And that's why it was so uninterested in being a parent and I and I I'm one of those people who are very open about never wanting kids and telling people that I found babies annoying like I laugh at all like the baby like jokes you listen to in comedies about like anything negative about babies like that was me that was that person yeah who who, like tell me about some conversations where you said to someone I don't want to have kids what did they say like how did it have the conversation go when I talk to other people who do have kids or older generations, they they go out of their way to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm going to change my mind. And that just frustrated me more. That just got me more angry and it made me want to just, like, not have kids even more. <laughs> like, yeah. um, And I think one of the things that really has affected me was the fact that I did have a kid and all everyone around me is just like, well, I told you you changed your mind. And I was like, I think that that upset me the most in terms of just, like, I still believe wholeheartedly that I didn't want children. Yeah. It's just a matter of just life just happened and I ended up getting pregnant and loving my child was easy. It's It was fine. Um, I think it was a mix of like hormones and loving the child and then like like utter obligation to feel like I have to be a parent um, and take care of her. It's just hard to tell people that. 
I think it might help if we can figure out how you got here. Do you mind telling me a little bit about your family, where you grew up, or your parents? Yeah, my uh, mom, they're both Korean. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a brother and a sister who are both older. And I was mostly raised by my mother. So my father passed away when I was eight, I believe. But he was not um, in her life only because he had moved to L.A. for most of my life just to see if he can get started there. And then he was going to make enough money to move us to L.A. But then he passed away before that could happen. Wow. Um, in, in honesty, I think he was just kind of like a get-rich-quick kind of guy, right? So he um, he just like kind of ran my mom in debt after he passed away. So she was just ended up with all his debt. And um, so we lived in a pretty like low-income yeah. style of life. And- my mom had an array of different jobs, but she always made me feel very, like, provided and, and any in any sort of situation. I n- never felt unloved from her. She took good care of you. Yeah, and it was, like, 100%, like, sacrifice. Like, she does nothing for herself. You know, she's, like, an immigrant mom. Like, she's, like, you know, working really hard to get paid with a low salary, but then still managing to, like, scrimp and save and to just provide for us. So I remember, like, going out with friends with of a different culture, and they went shopping. And the mom was, like, taking things off the hangers and, like, putting things on. And I was like, this is strange. Like, my mom never shopped when she, for herself when she went growing up. And that is pretty much how it was, like, how I envisioned what a parent is or what motherhood is. Yeah. And so um, for me, that was— that You were was, like, no, thank you. Yeah, that is, like, I can't. I can't do that. And I know, because I'm really hard on myself, is that I know— if I didn't do it that way, then I'll always feel like I'm not being a good mother. Mm-hmm. When did you move out of your mom's house? I didn't move out until after I found a full-time job in the advertising industry. And during that time, you know, when money was a little bit more free-flowing, it was like partying every day. Like we were just like out having fun, you know, yeah. like you have salespeople with like expense expense checks. And Did you enjoy that? Did you, do you look back at that as being a happy time? It was. It was. I met. Um, I met my husband. Yeah. In that industry. Yeah. How did you meet? He was. He was. Uh, he was at top. that agency that I worked at. What did you like about him off the bat? He was just really sweet. Like he was just nice and easy to talk to, and um, he has like totally has the physique that I want, which is like slight and cute. <laughs> you know. And what's his What's his background? Is he from New York? He's from, he's from from Jersey. Yeah. Huh. So he's he's pretty much like an East Coast guy. Is he Korean? No, he's not. He's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and did it get serious pretty fast? or? Wow. I honestly just wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that was more like, I don't want to continue this unless it's serious. And I was uh. just like, I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding? Like, I just wanted to have fun. I'm like young and what, 21 at the time or 22. So you wanted more adventure and experience. I did. But he, um, he convinced me. So, and, and here we are, I think 12 years. How in. did he convince you? Pretty much giving me that, not an ultimatum, but saying that, like, I, you know, I, re- I really want to take this ser- more seriously. Yeah. It's not like I'm just having fun because he's that's not his style. And when you were dating and then early marriage, did you guys talk? I imagine you did talk about your future and what you wanted. Yes. So what did you what did you talk about? Oh, uh, kids were probably the biggest thing, right? Um, before we got engaged, I told him like, if you have to be really, really aware. I told him, you have to be really, really aware that I will not ever want to have children. Whoa. Specific. 
And he just thought I was really going to change my mind. He did. So you're like, you need to know. Yes, I did. Before we get engaged, that I do not want to have children. You said something to that effect. Yeah. I'm like, this is, like, really important to me. Like, I really don't think I'll change my mind. And... He said, okay, he's totally fine by that. But then he realized uh, deep inside he was hoping that I would change my mind. So how how did you end up a mother? Uh, I fell into pressure. I think at the end of the day, I really did. I um, I think I know now, now that I have a kid, I do know now that I I think I would have been perfectly fine without having a child. Um, but I fell into the pressure of everyone telling me that I should or um, that I'm going to change my mind and that... Um, Life's so much better with kids, you know, like, I, so I, like, I think I convinced myself to think that the way I'm thinking was wrong. Wrong. So, um, I'm mad at myself at that, you know, in terms of just, like, having, you know, almost feeling like I was weak to, wasn't strong enough to stand my ground. Yeah. You know, but, you know, now I'm like, now I do have a kid, I can't turn back time. Right. Um, and I, and I know now, like, I think... Right. Really deep inside, it didn't. I I would have been perfectly fine without. Do you you know what about this is making you cry as you talk about it? I guess just the life that I don't have anymore. And that I, um, and I'm upset about, like, not standing my ground. Or, like, not being true to myself. Yeah. I think that's, um, a constant battle I face. It might feel like this is, like, an ultimate thing, like, the ultimate choice of really showcasing, like, who I am in terms of, like, being true to myself. Yeah. And it wasn't. When you're out with your husband on a date, do you feel connected to your old life? Oh, yeah, we do. And I do feel bad sometimes because sometimes I enjoy it so much. Like now, like when I'm out and she's not with me, like it's so easy for me to just like put that like baby stuff aside and like enjoy my life. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. But I feel terrible. I really do feel terrible. Why? I don't know. I just feel like I should want to like miss my baby or like want to come home to her and instead I'm just like I just like get sad that like I only have like small little blips of of this past life so like in the beginning it was hard for me to even do it because I would go out and I would be enjoying myself but then I would be hit with an an immense amount of sadness that like it's such a small fleeting moment and this is not my real life my real life is back at home with this baby. Well, actually, that's not true. It is your real life when you go on a date with your husband. It's really happening in your real life. <laughs> yeah, to me, it just feels so separate, you know? I don't know. I just... So both are true. We're talking about how to integrate these two parts of you. Mm-hmm. The part of you that loves your daughter and is a mother and has her in your life. And the part of you... How many? How old were you when you had a baby? 33. So the 33 (laughs) years of you that have nothing to do with her. Mm. We want to still make room for that person. Yeah. And and we're going to kind of walk through also how you can take on the job of being a mom Mm -hmm. in a more flexible way. Right. Right. I don't know. I also, I I guess it's also just a guilt thing too, just in terms of just, I don't feel 
Like, I should be leaving her. This is my role now. And guilt why? Because I'm not being that, like, vision of what I think a mom should be, I guess. I guess that's the thing I'm kind of curious about is that vision of how you think a mom should be is from your mom, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But there are so many other ways in which you've chosen to carve out a life that looks different from your mother's. Mm-hmm. You had a faithful, stable, financially responsible, risk-averse mm-hmm. guy by your side mm-hmm. from a different culture mm-hmm. entering into so so and yet in your mind you said nope, but in motherhood I will duplicate her experience. I think so, yeah. So yeah. explain that to me. Yes, but I think that like I think the one thing that she did do right was show how good of a mom she was. Like I never doubted her as a as a mother. Would you like to duplicate for your daughter the feeling that you had with your mother? I think so. Yes. Yeah. What do you want to duplicate? The feeling that, like, I unconditionally loved her. Yeah. You felt that way with your mom. Yeah. So that felt really good. Yeah. That I wasn't, like, you know, I was choosing her as a priority over anything else, really. Yeah. What do you think brings tears? Because sometimes I don't want that, you know? Right. But I think... I think you're torn because um, it's not so simple that you feel obligated to perform the way your mother did. And that's you would feel guilty that you're a bad person if you didn't do that. And that's why you're doing this. I think it's also from what you just said that you felt loved mm-hmm. and the way your mother treated you felt good. Mm-hmm. And that you want your daughter to feel loved and good the way you did in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you you want your daughter to feel loved and good. But as you know, there's more than one way to have a family. There's more than one way for children to feel loved. Your husband was raised entirely different than you. Mm-hmm. You know that that was an okay alternative for him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But in your mind, if you imagine your daughter being raised differently, mm-hmm. the thought is that it would feel bad to her. It would feel... Yeah, or I guess it's it's all I really know how to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I could observe how people were loved differently and know that that was still good, too. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. That still doesn't make me comfortable in that scenario. Yeah. I'm worried that what I'm going to do is wrong. Because you only have two categories in your mind right now. The perfect or the appropriate um, sacrificing mother and then a bad mother. You only have two categories in your mind right now. That's how you're thinking about it. So, of course, that risk is too high. And it's virtually impossible to take that risk. But that is a function of your mind, you're viewing your choices as only having black or white, that's actually not reality. Yeah. You're more, those two parts of you are more connected. Maybe you love your daughter. I think you do. Yeah. Truly. I I genuinely see it on your face. I genuinely feel it. You love your husband. I can feel both of those things by how you talk about them. And I think you also really don't like a lot of aspects of the job and role of parenting Mm -hmm. what if it continues to be like that you have moments of happiness and moments where you're like well this is a very challenging job 
I don't like that. <laughs> I think that's the thing is I I was fully aware of that is pretty much what a life is like as a parent. And that's not what I wanted. Like, I didn't want the ups and downs. Like, that's not mm-hmm. ideal but for me. I think your downs are way too low because of how rigid the rules are that you're putting on yourself in those moments mm-hmm. for how it's like if there's only one way that's going to go well and mm-hmm. you're failing because it's not that way. So you are beating yourself up. You're miserable. You're mm-hmm. panicked. You're panicked about something happening to your daughter because there's only one way yep. for her to turn out. So that's what we have to work on. Yeah. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But I think you can hold on to your ups, and I think we can raise the threshold of your downs a lot. In your life right now, what are the things, the experiences in your parenting mm-hmm. during the week that you really dread? Uh, right now, it's the eating. So tell me about <laughs> so that. So she's, um, when we first started giving her solids, like four four months, um, to like maybe about nine months, she mm-hmm. was amazing. Like she ate whatever we gave her. Mm-hmm. But now recently, she's become a lot more picky. and So mm-hmm. it became like an enjoyable thing. What was an enjoyable thing is no longer an enjoyable thing. And now I just, like, kind of dread having to feed her. And then I go back and forth in terms of just, like, following what, like, the pediatrician tells us to do and, like, what other moms tell you to do or what Google tells you to do. Like, mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm trying all these different tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing ever seems to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't help but just be disappointed she said she's not a good eater. So this is a good example. You had an expectation mm-hmm. of how it was going to go with your daughter learning about food and experiencing food and yeah. relating to food. And you you had a very fixed goal. The first thing we need to look at is you're walking into a parenting experience with an expectation. Right. By the way, you only have one definition of a good version in your head. She's a person, a, a, a human being who's like joyous and experimenting with foods and loves healthy food. That was your definition of this going well. Yeah, yeah. So first things first, you're in trouble if there's if you if you're walking into a parenting experience with <laughs> any expectation that's that specific, right? I want her to, like, throw me a bone. Like, I feel like there's always seems to be, like, a challenge, and it, it is a process. So now I know that, like, okay, she's not one of those babies that just eats anything. So now I do have to, like, constantly think about how to get her there and, like, have to, like, take all these steps to get her to not become, like, a, essentially a p- picky eater. And, like, I don't want to do all these additional things. Yeah, but we got to keep talking about that because it's not her job to throw you a bone. She's a baby. I know, yeah. It's her job to grow, mm-hmm. not to be empathically related to other people's needs. <laughs> right. So you need to throw yourself more bones. We need to lower the stakes a little bit for how burnout you feel every day mm-hmm. so that when she just doesn't show up with the type of behavior you were hoping for, you're not mad at her because it's not her fault that she's growing. This is really about – this is so many – it's about so many things. It's such a great example. I think at the top of it is is about your trusting yourself more mm-hmm. because things things don't have to be boxes that you check off and say, check, done, um, established healthy feeding relationship with my daughter. 
that's not how human experiences are. You're not going to have one foundation where you establish healthy feeding with your daughter and she's a healthy eater for the rest of her life. Like, you don't, like, train babies and then they only exhibit one behavior. Right. I think that's the difficulty for me. Like, you did – you kind of, like, really touched on it in terms of, like – I do see it as a checklist. Like, I have to just, like – even in the beginning of when she was younger, like, that is kind of what I wanted. Like, I wanted to check off, oh, she's a good napper. Oh, she's she's sleeping through the night. Like, I wanted to do that in terms of, instead of seeing it as a long-term goal, I wanted it to be much more short-term so I can see, like, the results. Yeah. Um, I was just, like, drilled to be responsible and, like, disciplined. And, like, that's, that's the hard thing, too, because I think for me... Um, before I even had a child, I was still per- trying to figure out what I wanted to do professionally. Yeah. Um, and then it's become like a complete standstill at this point in terms yeah. of like truly really trying to, because I've been, I've been struggling in terms yeah. of like what I wanted to do. Because yeah. I don't want to put so much effort into something that I'm completely unsure if it's going to be successful or not. And it's like, um, it's either 100% or right. Right. it's a failure. Right. That is my problem in terms yeah. of just like, yeah. but that is how I things yeah. and that's kind of it's hard to get out get out of that yeah but you know you know why I think you see things that way I think you don't have faith in yourself that you'll be able to enter a long-term project mm-hmm. and continue to do well in this project I think mm-hmm. you're panicking that you're going to fail and so you want to like get an A and check it off and be done and be like okay I did it Phew, I didn't I didn't fail absolutely <laughs> absolutely and then I don't want to feel like I work, work, work so hard, like, you know, years and years, years I'm working hard. And then it turns out that, like, I ended up failing anyway. Like, I need I need to see, like, immediate results. Like, what do you I, want? What's your, what's, your, what's your finished product you're working towards with her? <laughs> I mean, I want her to be a successful, independent woman. Um, I kind of want her to be almost, like, better than me in terms of just, like, standing her ground, making decisions for herself and – achieving thing being just being successful yeah. and I don't want her to have like the suffering burden feelings that yeah. I that I feel. Yeah. So well that's great because that gives her lots of wiggle room to like be a right. <laughs> if she if she's at times an imperfect eater, you're <laughs> apparently you're okay with that. But I think I really think that the best way to put her on the path to being a successful young woman who can listen to her voice and hear it and follow through and choose joy and not suffering, I really think the best way to convey that to her is by modeling it yourself. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. But it's, I can't, I'm, oh, it's yeah. hard to so do. We're going to talk more about that because it, as you know, your mom didn't tell you, you have to suffer, you have to suffer. She, she just modeled it and you, you know the power of a parent's example. Mm-hmm. You're modeling this sacrificing, suffering behavior. And you're also modeling behavior, which is like, you know, it's all or nothing. You're either a success or a failure. So we got to start now, I think, in in pulling back from that because I think a psychologically healthier way to parent Mm -hmm. is by modeling exactly what you want to model, which is being able to listen to your own voice, Mm -hmm. being able to choose to move away from suffering, not towards it. You have to push yourself Mm -hmm. to take those moments to 
do things that make you happy um, and take some space from her um, so that you can enjoy yourself a little bit more and integrate the woman you are who's not a parent and who enjoys all sorts of other things and relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the mom that you are. That's part one. Part two is when you're momming, you need to do some work to identify when you're having these thoughts where there's only one right way to do it. There's only one right way for her to have dinner is to eat the full plate of vegetables. Eating eating half the plate of vegetables is a failure. Whenever there's a model in your mind of it has to go this way and you're panicked about failing, remind yourself that Parenting is not about looking at your own reflection in the mirror. It's not about looking in the mirror and seeing, am I a good mom or a bad mom? Mm -hmm. It's about looking at the person who is your child Mm -hmm. and seeing what's going on with them. And so when she doesn't eat any vegetables, you're not failing as a vegetable provider. She's just not eating vegetables that night. Mm -hmm. She's making that choice that's in her process. Yeah, and I think that's what I've... In this past year, that's what I've learned. Like, it's, like, not black and white. And then I have to just be, like, okay with, like, the okay. Like, things are just okay. But, like, that was very – that's still very difficult for me. Yeah. It's good to hear it. And I I understand it again. I just – But you have to live it. Yeah. This is – and therapy does not work by getting, like, big ideas. It works by living through it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And again, it's just Yeah. And I think I think it's okay for us to wrap up with a feeling of uneasiness. It just takes time to live through change. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna solve it. We're not gonna wrap it up in a bow today, but that's mm-hmm. that's real. Mm-hmm. It takes living through and feeling it out. And I think you can do it. I really do. I hope so. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm going to try. Motherhood Sessions is a production of Gimlet Media. It's produced by Lauren Silverman, Peter Bresnan, and Molly Donahue. Our editors are Devin Taylor and Nazanin Rafsanjani. Music and mixing by Emma Munger. There will be a new episode of Motherhood Sessions next week. Sometimes we talk about me getting a job again. I'm like, what What would I do? And she goes to school Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And Tuesday morning, it was like 9 o'clock. She'd only been gone for 15 minutes. I texted my husband, like, what, what am I supposed to do today? <laughs> what am I supposed to do today? 